I hate to tell you, there's plastic in your blood right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are part plastic, but <laughs> you're part some plastic. of us more than others, you know. <laughs> Guys, this is Hard Time Strong Men. Today we're talking about field craft, uh, fire, Yay. water. Yay! We're finally uh, in field craft. We're finally in field craft. Uh, we're not going into the nitty gritty, guys. This is our episode one, and we're covering fire, water, and shelter specifically considerations for your kit. Starting with fire, um, everybody knows what this is for. It's light. It's warmth. It's you can create, destroy. You can signal sterilize cook distract protection from predators yeah. yeah i mean i mean heat if we're talking about survival situation it it is everything i mean if you can if you can utilize it you're on the right track if it's utilized against you you're going to have a really really bad time probably one of the greatest uses of fire for like especially field craft go out on netflix and watch alone oh, the show alone Fire is it proves everything. to you. Yes, it proves that fire is one of the most important things that you can do because they shove these contestants on their own out of a helicopter with a ruck, <laughs> with a ruck in Nowheresville, Alaska, or British Columbia, or yeah, British it's Columbia, Pacific Northwest, yeah, BC, yeah, that that area. And when when winter sets in, it sets in fast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a gut check because they don't have anything. They have no infrastructure. They have nothing except for what they what they pack out, which is exactly what we're talking about with all this. And so when guys are like, oh, man, I'm so ready for the collapse. Like, no, you're not. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I'm not. not either. No one is, man. I mean, such like fire, speci- fire you know, specifically to a point where I don't remember what episode it was, but a guy lost his ferro rod. Oh, and he quit. That was a couple seasons ago. Yeah, and he just quit. He's like, there's no point of me, you know, continuing trying to do this. The Pharaoh was my only way to make fire. You know, there's no way I can there's no way I can do this. So looking back on it, I actually completely disagree with his mentality there because he could have easily made a uh, uh the bow. The bow fire starter. He could have done that. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot yeah, of time. It was it was defeated. But it does work of him but yeah. you know yeah that's why you need to have the skill set the skill sets everything proves that if you only have tools or you know kit or gear if you don't have the skill set to back it up then you absolutely know, you have nothing you have nothing so let's get into kit let's get into this yeah. kit so here's uh some of the things that you just some examples of stuff that you probably have on you or should have on you that uh you can use uh, so you got lighters you have matches ferro rods uh, flares, yeah. I mean, good lord, flares. Flares are one of the easiest ways to start a fire. But then again, you just mm-hmm. waste one if you're just starting a fire. Well, and it's a huge consideration if you're in a contested environment. Then yes. you're broadcasting your air for miles. And those things are a pain in the butt to put out, too. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, you can also use bullets. Actually, the bullet technique is one that I have not seen utilized. I put it on the outline because I watched it on Lost one time. Uh, okay. Okay. Not saying it's not doable, but I've never tried either. Right. Exactly. So 
I know like you, I carry on my kit a, a fire kit. So in there, I have two big lighters. I have matches in a watertight container. I have Blackbeard Firestarter. Shout out to them. I have a ferro rod. Actually, in in my uh, load-bearing kit, I have a ferro rod for sure. Uh, everything else is in my ruck. Mine's a little bit spread out, kind of like yours. In my chest pack, I have a little Altoids tin, or Altoids tin. And in that, I carry a big lighter. I carry a box of matches. I'm going to try to switch that over to storm matches here soon. Uh, so mm. waterproof, windproof, all that good stuff. I cram as much Blackbeard Firestar in there as I can. It's it's cheating. I love it. Oh, I know. And then outside the uh, outside that Altoids tin, I carry my ferro rod also in the in that chest pack. And then I also carry the. Um, I made a little pocket bellows, so I took a little uh, a little steel straw. I painted it so that it's not reflective, but that thing's that thing's cool. That's cheating too. I mean, yeah. you're talking about like tripling or quadrupling your lung capacity, like on the like on the embers, essentially. It's really cool. That's that's actually a great idea. I didn't even think of putting in a uh, bringing a bellows along. Yeah, you can also buy them on on Amazon that are actually collapsible, so that might honestly be better than than my little do it yourself one. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but all those, um, all that being said, guys, all those options, the Bic lighter, they're they're pretty bulletproof, and you know if you can make your life easier, why not? The matches, it's a, another redundancy. The Blackbeard Fire Starter, it's it's cheating. I mean, it's what like it has some sort of fuel impregnated in it, but mm-hmm. uh, it can start when wet with wind, and it actually goes for quite a while. So obviously don't use that as your primary means, but it's definitely a little force multiplier there when you're trying to make fire in a pinch. And if you're really in a pinch, you can use a knife and a rock to create a spark. Oh yeah. I mean, and like you said, the bow method, you know, you have the, I forget what it's called, but the friction, the friction method, like you saw on Castaway, a little more uh, in depth than rubbing two sticks together. There's a multitude of uses for fire. Obviously it's incredibly important. We wouldn't be here today without it. Um, in our actual fire episode, we'll go over different bushcrafting methods of making fire and then go a little more in depth on uh, field uses for fire and uh, just little tools that you can put in your toolkit. But do you have anything else for that one, man? So as, as far as fire goes, you can also use the uh, the mirror method where, mm. um, yeah, you know, you're just reflecting the sun. Uh, you can use your glasses to focus the, the sunlight onto a, a specific point. So say I have prescription lenses, yeah. The main thing of starting a fire is that you're just you're trying to focus heat source onto a specific point to get it to the point of ignition. That's the main thing you're trying to do. That's the well, main well, purpose. Well, what is fire? Fire is heat, fuel, and oxygen. That that's all fire is. So if you get enough uh, good fuel, you make sure there's enough oxygen and you provide enough heat. Fire will occur the fire rises the fire rises so water water's life water is you can go without food for a couple weeks water though you can only go what three days three days those are a really horrible three days well it depends on your environment right high desert is a lot different than tropical that's true but yeah you have three days max yeah, so the main things you need to keep in mind is that uh, for mechanical filtration and chemical 
uh, purification methods, always check the manufacturer's recommendations or parameters for their product because it can differ, especially for region and the amount of time it takes to uh, actually purify your water. So you need to keep an eye on your filter longevity, your field maintenance, and your filter capacity. These things are a huge deal with water purification. And we're not going into um, actually sourcing water in this episode. You know, once again, we will cover water specifically in its own episode, but we want to cover considerations, things that you can have on you all the time that aid in that endeavor and allows you actually drink your water because it is worse to drink bad water than to not drink water at all. Because for all these bugs that we're talking about, Giardia, E. coli, Hepe, these things will make you sicker than a dog and you'll die quicker. It's it, it will be a miserable, miserable death. With all these two, you need to keep in mind uh, what kind of contaminants are going to be in your area that you're going to be operating in. Because some of these, uh, some of these uh, purification things that we're going to be talking about, they differ. Some of them cover some things, other, others cover more. But then it's a give and take method with, so it doesn't cover as much, but it'll purify quicker. Whereas if it covers more, it's going to take a lot longer to purify. And it's, um, you know, where you're talking about six, you have to have a water plan. So if this fits within your water plan, great. If you don't have a plan and you're trying to play catch up when you're in the field, you're, you know, obviously at a disadvantage. You're wrong. You're wrong. Thank you. But the three ways that we're going to talk about, there are a few other ways, but uh, we don't believe that they uh, are really pertinent to the situation or really mm-hmm. help, helpful, honestly. But we're going to be talking about mechanical filtration, uh, chemical purification, and then boiling. So starting off with filters, some pros of using mechanical filtration, they're scalable. So the example we're going to be using today is the Sawyer line, the Sawyer mini water filter. And that filter itself has attachments for a straw, uh, different compression or squeeze bags. So a 32 ounce, 64 ounce bag that you actually attach to the filter. And then you can filter out water essentially in bulk. There are gravity filters. I know MSR makes a gravity filter. I don't know about Sawyer. Yeah. But that's, that's more of your like bulk, bulk stuff where you're actually in a yeah, add a patrol base, OP, whatever. Filters are versatile, so you can make attachments for, you know, you can make or buy attachments for canteens, water bottles, your water bladders, uh, mentioned straws earlier. And a lot of filters are field serviceable. So using backwashing or uh, other brushes. I know that backwashing is for, is for soil. I don't know what other filters use but uh, increases the longevity of the filter because I think this Sawyer, yeah, so the Sawyer filter can last up to 100,000 gallons. So pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, that's a lot. Some cons for for filters, uh, they will be damaged if frozen. So if you're mm-hmm. using this filter in a, you know Arctic environment and somewhere that's going to freeze your water inside that filter, that water is going to expand and you're going to damage your filter. It's not going to be usable at that point. Uh, filters will inherently add bulk to your kit, add weight to your kit. Like I said, you have to fit that into your water plan to right, you know, to justify that waste in space or that uh, 
to justify that weight and space. And because the nature of water filters, you know, being a piece of kit that you'll have to carry with you, they can be broken. They can be overused. They can be clogged. Um, this is a item that needs to be serviced. And if you don't put in that extra effort to actually service your kit, it's going to fail you. I mean, there's a reason why if you have like a Brita filter or even like the filter on your uh, water dispenser on your fridge at home, there's a reason why those have to be replaced because there is material in water. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're on us, you're on a, you're on city water, you're on well water, doesn't matter. There's mm -hmm. still material in the water that gets filtered out. That's why I'm a, a, a firm proponent on the fact that if you grew up on well water, you can survive anything. But, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about like how filters really work, but it's a fine mesh that water has to pass through. So everything that you're trying to filter out mm -hmm. is ramming against that filter. So eventually you're going to have to clear that out or it's going to break. Right. Or just be clogged, you know? Yeah. And then it's no use to you anyways. One of the uh, mechanical filters we talked about was the uh, Sawyer Mini. Uh, I use a Sawyer Mini. It's actually attached to my uh, Camelback right now. It's it's a great, great thing. You can also use a Life Straw. You can, I mean, I think you said something about MSR. Yeah, MSR makes uh, gravity filters. Let's talk a little bit about that that Sawyer Mini. Uh, I, it is, <laughs> it is smaller in length than probably a can, like a can of Coke. Easily smaller than that. Uh, as it's as big as round as probably. I don't have it sitting in front of me, but probably it's a little bit bigger than my thumb. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's like solar dollar size, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not bad. Uh, so we say adding weight, adding space, but you know, if you you know have a USGI canteen pouch that's you know part of your mess kit, that can fit in there easily. Yeah. It can be easily protected. You just have to exactly. incorporate that into your plan. Yeah. So the Sawyer, uh it works. It works so well. Like it, it's gonna remove up uh almost a hundred percent of all bacteria. Uh, they state 99.99999% of all bacteria. So we're talking salmonella, cholera, E. coli. It removes almost the same amount of protozoa. So 99.9999% of protozoa. So we're talking Giardia and Cryptosporium. Uh, it removes microplastics, which folks, I can't state this enough. There are plastics in your water and we've been drinking them for hundreds of years i hate to tell you there's plastic in your blood right now oh yeah yeah you are part plastic but <laughs> you're part some of us more than others you know <laughs> and so can i just pipe in real quick go just as a mirth uh talking about salmonella cholera e coli giardia cryptosporidium what this means for the layman is if you're already dehydrated and you pick up one of these bugs and they go to work on you. We're talking about nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, bloody stools, abdominal cramping, stuff that's going to take you out of the fight real quick. And if you're already dehydrated, you don't need to be vomiting or you know going through diarrhea. That's going to dehydrate you quicker, i.e. you will die quicker. One of the good things about the Sawyer Mini, I think you mentioned this. Mm -hmm. is that it lasts for a hundred thousand gallons. That's a lot of water folks. And for that what is it? It's like 50 bucks, water. right? It's like 50 bucks, right? Uh, I don't know. Something like that. Where is that on Amazon? I don't know. You want to look it up real quick? Yeah. 
but for that price point for the size it is there's no reason for that everybody in your network can't carry one of those or if you can't carry an extra one dude everyone should have one like yeah, absolutely I mean, everyone should have one they are yeah, 21 dollars. I mean, $21 they I mean, are that's 22 insane. bucks right now on Amazon. Go yeah, grab that, like three. It's insane. And, you know, you talked about um, earlier, you know, having these different types of filtration methods for, uh, you know, different mission sets, right? Mm-hmm. So I think of using water filters, like mechanical filters, more as like you're kind of set in a position if you're at a patrol base or you're, you know, at your home base or wherever where you have a little bit of time to breathe. You know, I would you know, use the, use the water filter because, you know, it protects from so much and it's, you know, the more, um, I think it's the, uh, more attractive option than, mm-hmm. you know, using, you know, than boiling. If you don't have enough time to boil, if you want to protect more than a chemical, uh, tab or anything. Yeah. And if you're set in a position, uh, get a gravity filter started. Like, it's probably one of the best ways. If, if you have a ton of time, do that. Big bag, attach the filter, and just let it drop into another bag. Like, well, and Grantham threw, you know, made through that plug out, I think during his uh, recce episode or urban episode, one of those two. But it's a ludicrous amount of water. And once again, it's a, it's a passive method. So you throw up your dairy bag, throw down your clean bag, and you can go do something else while you're waiting for that to filter so and you really don't run the risk of like a bear coming to steal it like you would with food like it's you don't have to really protect it you just Mm -hmm. set it and forget it essentially yeah but i will say when especially when you're using uh mechanical filters you always have to be in mind what is your clean water source your water container and was your dirty water source or water container if you mix those two it doesn't matter how much you filtered it you know you yeah. you shot yourself in the foot there yeah you're going to need a new uh clean water source mm-hmm. essentially or water bag right. whatever whatever you're using to store your clean water you're going to need another one at that point or because or sterilize it which yeah it's going to be kind of a chore guess, so guess, chemical guess. Yes, yes, yes. So chemical purification, uh, pros, the tablets that we're going to be talking about, the capsules, what have you are incredibly small. They weigh almost nothing. They take almost no space. It, you know, I like to say that you don't have any excuse, but you really don't have any excuse with this. You can get a hundred of these tabs for like 12 bucks and you know, they, they're little, you know, what blister packs, you know, pot packs that weigh in have almost no space uh another pro it's you know like we just mentioned a passive purification method uh set and forget it so after you initially throw that tab in your water that's the the most amount of effort you're putting into this so a way that i use this is besides my water filter or my uh my water bladder i have two canteens on my kit after i drink one canteen I fill it up at a water source. I throw a tab in. In 30 minutes, it's good to drink again. I mean, it, it it's really hard to screw up. And with one of those tabs, I'm talking about a liter of water. So that part's pretty cool. And there's no need to segregate between clean or dirty containers because it purifies the water the container is in. 
uh, Consfer chemical uh, purification method specifically is there's sometimes a significant time commitment to treating that water. So with a water filter, you can you know use your you can use the straw, you can use the you know compression bag to fill you know force it through through force water through the filter, and your water is ready immediately. With a chemical treatment, you will have to you know designate time before you can drink that water, which can be very difficult if you're in a hot environment that you're operating in. Uh, these are also expendable, so you know the Sawyer filter you have 100,000 gallons with one of these one tab is equal to one liter and so you're going to have to work out that math on the on the front end so you're not running out of those uh, purification methods while you're in the field and also they can activate prematurely if exposed to water so if you're not carrying those in a watertight container like a ziploc bag or something if those get soaked then you just busted your entire stock of you know water purification which would be an incredible loss if you're in the field. Right. But if they're in one of those blister packs, you have a lot less to worry about unless it's like the, the cardboard backed blister packs that don't have the, the insulation. Yeah. And you know, it's probably not even a big deal. I just want to throw that in there. Cause you know, that's just anxiety for me. <laughs> if that, like, just imagine if you had a hundred tabs, just poof, like, you know, that's a, that's a huge, huge loss. But, you know, you're right. Anymore with modern packaging, you know, it has the, what's it? Not aluminum, but, you know, just the little foil yeah, yeah, inside. Yeah, foil. That's so, it. Yeah. Like you said, you're, you're probably fine, though. Uh, and then I mentioned earlier, but the example we're using today is AquaTabs, which you can find on Amazon. What do we say, six? Like 13 bucks for 100 tabs? Yeah, 14 bucks for 100 tabs, something like that. I... Yeah. I personally go with chlorine dioxide uh, mm -hmm. because, uh, I mean, it, it kills more stuff. I'm a little more paranoid about that kind of stuff, but the only problem it does take it does longer. Is it, it takes four hours, mm -hmm. which is an issue. That's that, that's a passive method, so keep so that's that to keep in mind. So once again, though, that depends on your wire plan. So I'm using mine on the go, mm -hmm. you know, small stock on the go, and yours is more of your center position. If you want to purify a bulk amount so not good or bad but you just have to plan for that as far as what it actually purifies against it removes 99.9 percent .9 of bacteria viruses cysts like giardia it does not protect it against the cryptosporidium like the chlorine dioxide or the water filter so right once and again for those of you that's that are actually interested giardia is a a form of a parasite mm. so once again it, so makes those cysts in your you know, in your tract, and that's your not your yeah. vomiting, diarrhea, yeah. bloody stool, all the good stuff. Sounds like a party. Oh, it's great. Um, 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> once again, you know, we gave a little disclaimer at the beginning, but check your manufacturer recommendation for, for any of the stuff that you're going to be using. Yep. Because Also keep in you mind know. your shelf life on these things. Mm -hmm. So the Octaves have a five-year shelf life. So check all your expiration dates before you use this stuff. One, that should be a no-brainer. But um, also, you know, as you're building up your equipment sets, as you're building up these stocks, make sure to rotate your stock. You know, this shouldn't be a set and forget it, you know, buy and forget kind of thing. You need to be invested into this stuff. You know, this is, this is we're talking about 
pure water here. Like this is life. Yeah. Also keep in mind some of these uh some of these forms of purification, especially with the chemical, uh, can have an aftertaste. So I don't know about aquatabs, but they don't. Uh, yeah, the chlorine dioxide do doesn't have okay so it's it's the same as the chlorine dioxide then uh, one thing that you can use also as chemical uh, purification is iodine and that does leave an aftertaste and it is by all accounts very very nasty very horrible also on the cdc website you can do your own research on actually using household bleach as a water purifier always <laughs> always be extremely careful yeah. with that mix but it is an option it, if you have the time and the research so if you've done the research if you know for a fact that you know you're doing this right and it's safe you know it's a it's another tool in tool belt as a disclaimer hard time please, strong mint is not telling you to drink bleach please don't drink bleach please don't it's like the common sense thing guys we talked about in like the second episode please just or situational awareness just don't do it don't drink bleach. So our last method of purification is boiling. This is pretty common sense. You know, as, as we said earlier, fire kills everything. So it's the gold standard. Boiling water is the gold standard. It is the surest way of killing pathogens like viruses, bacteria, parasites. Uh, it's super simple. Like you literally put water into a metal container, stick it over some fire and let it boil. By boil, can, we mean a rolling boil. Yes. So a lot of disturbance in the water. Yes. That's that's really important because it needs to get to that heat at, mm-hmm. for that specific time before it will do its thing. Yep. And you can you can purify a lot of water very very quickly that way. Uh, so some of the some of the cons here, you may not always have the resources in your environment to be able to boil water. So even if you're in a uh, a tactical situation, you're not going to be able to build a fire. You're not going to be able to turn on your jet boil to boil some water, which huh, this guy carries a jet boil. Uh, but it might not be a commitment that you, that you want at the time, because that's the thing is that with boiling water, it takes time to get water to a boil, but then that water needs to be boiling for a specific amount of time. If you don't have that time hack, if you don't have the water you can spare, if you don't have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, as a disclaimer, I don't actually carry a jet boil. I carry the MSR uh, mini stove so much better and a camping uh a camping kettle it's it's so much better it's so much smaller it's i love it i love it Mm -hmm. i the first day i got it i tested it out and had water boiling within like two three minutes it was great (laughs) it was awesome um so boiling water you got to keep in mind you're going to be consuming fuel to have a fire going so whether it be wood whether that be a gas can uh, by gas can I mean gas canister the little like little camping canisters that you see or the little fuel tabs even yep yep even the fuel tabs and you have to have a proper container to boil the water in because if you try to boil water over fire in plastic container it's not going to go well and then you're going to lose your fire because you're an idiot and uh, your plastic all, container yeah always have some kind of metal uh, container be it a kettle be it a uh, a canteen cup whatever also right so that being in mind right you're you know you're heating the water in the metal container that metal container is going to get incredibly hot as well so a possible con for boiling water is if you have to leave quick fast in a hurry 
yep. that metal container could cause injury to you or it could cause damage to your kit. Yep. So anytime that you boil water for water purification to drink, you obviously need, please let the water cool. Um, let the water cool, <laughs> but also the, the container has to cool as well before you can store it or handle it. Hard time strong men is not telling you <laughs> to drink boiling water. Someday, I got to say it because there's some dumb out there. Someday we're going to get to the point to where we don't have to throw out hard time strong men. Is not telling you to do this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're we're going to get to that point someday. Yeah. Maybe Darwin's theory <laughs> went out, you know. Uh, some considerations <laughs> for boiling water. Uh, before you uh, attempt to boil water, remove any sediment or... Uh, you know, do a pre-filter of the water you're trying to boil. Right. And then elevations that are at or below 6,500 feet, you're going to be boiling that water with a rolling boil for one minute. If you're above 6,500 feet, you need to boil that water for three minutes at a minimum to adequately purify that water. And you may be saying, hey, Seven, how do we understand if we're at elevations above 6,500 feet or below it? Well, um, do your research. If you don't know, you don't know. I mean, use your natural instinct. Research too. Like, if, if you can, if you can understand that the water is close to being, if you're close to being at sea level, it's not hard to figure this stuff out, guys. Like, it, it's it's common sense, and it's just a tiny bit of research, a tiny bit we're, of studying. When we go over land, now we're gonna be talking about CalTopo. CalTopo, yeah. you know, being a excellent mapping program software that you oh can, my God. you know, use online for free. Um, that'll have your elevation on there. You can research the elevation for your town that you currently live in. You can look it up online. You can find it in a library if your town still has one. With that being said, use your critical thinking, guys. If you don't know what elevation you're at, opt for the higher elevation. If you don't know, just boil it for three minutes. You're going to be safe either way. That's a great point. And then shelter. So shelter being anything that protects you from environmental hazards. So rain, sleet, snow, ice, wind, the sun, anything that could cause harm to your person. Uh, shelter considerations. It needs to, your shelter, whatever you're going to be bedding down in or staying at for a while, needs to insulate you, not just from the you know, outside elements, so insulating you, your body heat to stay in that area, but also insulating you from the ground because your body heat is lost through conduction. That's why guys use sleeping pads. It's not for comfort. It's to create that little barrier so that you're not losing all your body heat to the ground. The ground is a killer. Honestly, it is. And uh, I actually just finished watching the latest season of Alone. And one of the main things I keep, I kept seeing that I just, I had to prevent myself from yelling this out was so many of them were building their shelters and not putting a barrier between themselves and the ground. Even one chick actually dug out the ground. Like honestly, the way she did this was awesome. Like she did a dugout shelter. She dug down in the ground and then built a shelter up over it. Oh, she made a cold sink. Nice. It was great. It was perfect. But when she started out, she didn't have, you know, a, a little layer there. And she mm. was trying to figure out why she was getting cold. And it's like, dude, mm-hmm. you, you got to have a barrier. You have to have a barrier between yourself so, and the ground. So our, our reference for today, and I'll shout, shout it out again at the end, is ATP 3-50.21, which is the Army's field manual for survival. But in their shelter section, I mean, 
the insulation that's required to keep you warm can be up to like a foot or two of insulation, like 12 plus inches of insulation before you bed down. I mean, and that's, that's, it's, in a, that's, that's in an, an extreme cold weather kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. but let's just that throw being that said, out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm not saying do that every time, but conduction is a killer. If you just lay down on the ground, you're going to lose all that heat. The ground will suck it right out of you. You need to have a barrier, whatever it is. One thing I do recommend you actually study up on or even just read up on, you don't have to like study it and memorize it and all this stuff is just read up on conduction and convection. As far Mm -hmm. as heat goes, it, it'll blow your mind on how many evaporation. (sighs) Yeah. On how many, like just like links you can find between everyday life and like conduction and convection methods of, of heat transfer. Yeah. I mean, actually understand what your microwave does. Well, no, that nerdy stuff is really great to, to learn about. You know, because once you have that basic knowledge, you know, it, it conveys. Yeah. You I'm know, a freaking can... nerd. So I love reading <laughs> I all love this stuff. So, I mean, we should do another class on that sometime whenever we get mm-hmm. more into skill sharing after we get our, you know, our level zero stuff out. Yes. We need to be getting into that. Cause that's the, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and we'll do a cold weather class eventually, you know, we talked about conduction, convection, evaporation, respiration. I mean, there's, you lose heat everywhere. Yes. Um, but do you want to talk about what you have uh, specifically for your sleep kit, like your oh, sleep system? Dude. Okay. So my sleep system, I picked this up from a surplus store. It took forever. I had to go to like three different ones to find this, but I actually finally got the uh, the full set of a sleep system that we had in the army. But, but... You're not going to use all of it. Ever. It's nice to have, but you're not going to you're not going to use all of it. So you have your summer bag, your winter bag, your bivy cover, and a stuff sack. Those are everything that comes in a sleep system. So let's start at the beginning. I mean, your summer bag is just it's 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 for it's rated I believe down to what is it like 32 degrees before you need something else that. added on. I thought it was more than that. No, I don't think it is. Uh, the the winter bag, the extreme cold weather bag, though, that can go into the negatives fairly easily. Uh, that being said, all the so this sleep system is incorporating what GIs like wear. Yes, and then they're adding on, so none of this is used standalone. At right. least this part is, part of the system is supposed to be used. Right, and you can always use the bags separately, but when you combine them, it's just added protection against the elements. Uh, and the bivy cover is a waterproof uh, cover that snaps on to the outside of the bag, and it can prevent moisture from getting in, sort of. <laughs> mm. I found that out in the field. It sort of keeps moisture out. except for The bivy? The stuff, yeah, except for the stuff that's coming off of your body. So the bivy is waterproof. Except, except for where you climb in. Yes, that's, <laughs> so, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Oh, okay. gosh. I, can I tell a story about that? I have a story Please. about that. Oh, I hate it so much. Thanks, I hate which it. Means I'm, which means I'm going to love it. So I don't even remember, remember what FTX we were doing, but we were out doing our thing. We had our strikers in our you know, little cordon. We were all sleeping in the middle, and it started to rain. It started raining at like midnight. I kind of felt the fitter pattern on my bivy, and I looked out. I was like, oh, well, that sucks. And I you know, climbed back in. I was sleeping, 
I woke up again at like three o'clock and it was just pouring like bad. And we had like lightning and thunder. Like I could like just look around because the lightning was like, like hitting so often. I didn't even need a flashlight or anything. I just look around and see everybody hanging their lives. Oh, wow. That really sucks. And I cover myself again, perfectly dry. Right. And then at like five o'clock in the morning, I woke up wet. I'm like, what the hell? And I'm wet all through my, in through my bivy cover, through my sleeping bag, everything. And I poke my head out. Everyone's gone. Everyone's gone. Oh yes. Everyone's gone. I was like, what the, and so I like get out my sleeping bag, out my baby real quick, run over under some trees. I'm looking around and everyone's gone. I'm like, oh, oh no. I run over to my striker, open the hatch. My entire squad's in there. I hop in, sit down, close the door. And I think it was done. said, you were out there. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, I was out there. <clears throat> oh, was this when the, the hurricane was rolling through? Yeah, that one. Oh, so, you know, that was the field exercise where I was in the barracks. I didn't, I didn't have to go out with you guys. You know, oh all that, all that being said, um, yeah. So if water goes in through the opening of your baby cover, it's no longer waterproof. And like you were oh. saying before, if you sweat in your sleeping bag or your baby cover, all that water is still trapped inside. Right. So not good stuff. So you have yeah. the bivy, the summer winter bags and the whoopee. Yeah. Okay. Is that all for your, for your sleeping kit or your shelter system? So, so shelter tools? system. I mean, are we talking about shelter system? If we are, then like, I mean, I have a tarp. I have, I have a tent in storage that I can bring out if I needed it. Um, I mean, just like stuff that you're going to have on your kit all the time. Oh, on my kit? Yeah. I mean, I'm bringing a, I'm bringing a tarp. Like, yeah. There's no reason not to. I've got a, uh, a ruck cover that's water that I've been, that I've waterproofed it. I mean, you can nice. use that, but I mean, as far as like sleep systems, like, yeah, the, the tarp is the main source of like waterproofing essentially for shelter at least like yeah what do you roll for for extra shelter the yeah for extra shelter is your is your sleeping but yeah yeah so like what i carry so my sleep system consists of the the bivy cover the Mm -hmm. usgi bivy cover and sleeping pad and then i also threw in a blizzard casualty blanket which okay if you're thinking of like a walmart one or two dollar uh emergency blanket like the uh you know like the foil you know they fold down really small the foil it's a huge one of those so it's like seven foot long four feet four foot wide like i think when you actually pull it all the way out but i stuffed that in there as well because it uh can fold down really small but um so i have the bivy cover the sling pad and the casualty blanket and then i also threw in a tarp as uh, another ground barrier or if i have to build up over it but i live in texas i'm currently you know been living in 100 degree plus weather for like a month now i'm in a drought Ooh, i yeah. don't need much in the in the way of heating <laughs> oh you don't and you know if i'm you know so that system itself will carry me through probably eight months nine months out of the year i bet yeah so easily and it packs down incredibly small very little weight so it it's great for me as far as the tools i carry 
Uh, I carry a tomahawk, a folding saw, and a, and an e-tool or a shell. I haven't decided yet. I have an e-tool, but I kind of want to like retrofit a like uh, actual full shovel, cut down the handle, mm-hmm. and maybe use like a like a gardening or a landscaping shovel. But I haven't figured out that system yet. But yeah. at the very least, I have an, I have an e-tool. Um, yeah, that's as much that's as perfect. much as I hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's handy. That's, I mean, it's one of the things that I'm no, missing I mean, actually. Yeah, I mean, I hate it just because of how we had to use it, but they work. Yeah, I mean, one half if it didn't work to some capacity, and you need to be able to make those heat sinks. You need to be able to entrench yourself, or make fighting positions, or build something up, you know, like sandbags or whatever. It's just you need a shovel. There. Yeah, I. You know, it's a it's a huge force multiplier just for the individual. But then when you're talking about you know a network and a team, I mean, you can get a lot, lot done. Especially if we're talking about like guerrilla warfare tactics. Area denial is a class we're going to do uh, here pretty soon. But if you have those three things: a folding saw, a tomahawk, and e tool, you can shut mm-hmm. down a road. Oh yeah, <laughs> you can make a road impassable. Yeah. or a bridge impassable or what have you but in terms of shelter you know those three things will carry you through just about anything you can do bushcrafting wise as far as structures go mm-hmm. um and the reason why i chose a tomahawk instead of like an axe or a hatchet is because a tomahawk is way more utilitarian i mean they've been used for hundreds thousands of years um with a tomahawk, I don't have to rehead a tomahawk if my handle breaks. So the way an axe works, actual heading without getting too far into it, you need glue, wedge, uh, wooden wedge, and then a, uh, a metal wedge to actually create that friction that holds the axe head on there. With a tomahawk is literally the tomahawk head and then the diameter of the handle that keeps it yeah. set. It's just friction and inertia. I mean, yep. it's incredibly simplistic. It's a really great tool. And if I need to scale it up or scale it down, I can make another handle if mine breaks. If I want to use it as more of an axe, I could you know, fashion a longer handle to use it two-handed. Um, if I need to break it down for storage or for movement, I can do that very easily. It's, it's just a really cool tool. And then the folding saw, I want to get a silky here soon. I got a... I got a plug for that a while back, and they're apparently a really good brand. But uh, currently, I just have a. I don't even know. I had one from my childhood, but folding saw everything you don't want to use your tomahawk from, like the uh, Gerber kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, just you know the mm-hmm. the breakout ones, and then yeah, of course the e tool. But you know those yeah. things. If you have a tarp, cordage, of course you should have that. Anyways, webbing. So the stuff I carry is. Uh... I actually carry a, a full axe. So um, that's good for any number of things. The only problem is like the little the little menial tasks that you can you need to do, like just kind of chopping off the little the little twig limbs or shaving stuff down. The axe is not really – I mean, you can use it for that, but it's not really built for that. It's kind of unwieldy. Um, I plan on getting a, a uh, either a hatchet or a tomahawk for the little menial tasks. Especially the tomahawks are great because if you get one with a uh, a hammered edge on the back end, you can use that tactically, or you can use that for just like everyday bushcraft tacks. Um, 
<clears throat> uh, don't currently have an e-tool. Uh, I'm looking to get one because I don't want to carry around a full shovel. Uh, the e-tool is great, but the only problem with the ones we were issued in the army is just the fact that uh, they fold into place and you have to lock them into place. So they have two different places where the structure can fail. Uh, one of the things I actually recommend is if you get an e-tool, get one of the ones with wooden handles or a metal handle that does not fold. It, it does take up more space, but you can you can work around that and find a way to store that on your stuff. And as far as shelter goes, yeah, I carry... I think I carry like 250 feet of um, 550 cord on me, cut into like 10 to 15 foot sections. Uh, I carry a tarp. I carry... Um, what else have I got? Yeah, that's about it. I carry a tarp. I carry 550 cord. It's... And it's a great way to stay in shape. So that's been uh, fire, water, and shelter that we've talked about so far. And as those are just the basics that you're going to need to survive out in the wild. Um, we told you some things that you need to have in your kit. And we've told you different methods of purifying water. Different methods of... Well, we've, we've told you different methods of creating fire. We've told you different methods of purifying water. And we've given you some examples of things to have to create a shelter for you yourself in the wild yeah this was more of our this was more of our uh consideration post on this guys so we will break down you know do a full breakdown of like fire uses making fire all that sort of thing same thing with water and shelter but we wanted to break down what we actually carry in our kit you know every time we go out that you know aids us in that in that endeavor absolutely so We'll get into each of these in, well, ad, ad, probably ad nauseum. Mm -hmm. So um, until then, like, this has been Hard Time Strong Men. Thanks for joining us for Fieldcraft 1. We'll see you next time. Stay in the fight. Bye, everybody. Bye.